Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Situated on the asset spectrum between large national banks and community financial institutions, regional banks face the challenge of scale to make technology investments needed to modernize legacy operations. To meet changing customer expectations, regional banks need to develop innovative ideas and approaches to reduce expenses, create new products and services, serve unique segments, and leverage technology for future growth. One organization that has merged as a regional banking success story is KeyBank. Headquartered in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, KeyBank is a top 20 bank serving 15 states with over 1,000 branches and 1,500 ATMs. We are very fortunate to have Chris Gorman, Chairman and CEO of KeyBank on the show. Chris discusses how KeyBank has leveraged technology, ecosystem partnerships, innovative solutions, and a very, very targeted focus to help drive KeyBank growth into the future. So welcome to the show, Chris. I am so happy to have you on the show today, not only because you lead one of the great digital transformation success stories in banking, but because I'm a legacy Cleveland banker from the 70s who remembers many of the stages of growth of KeyBank through the years. You know, Chris, as a two-decade veteran of KeyBank, you were named to replace Beth Mooney, who was the first female CEO of a top 20 U.S. bank in 2019. Um, in 2019 interview, when it was announced that you would be replacing Mooney in the May of the next year, you stated that you believed that banking industry would see massive change and massive disruption fueled by the digitization of everything. Did you ever imagine that the amount of change that would take place only a few months later because of the pandemic? Well, first of all, Jim, thank you so much for having me uh, this morning. It's nice to have a chance to catch up with you and chat. Uh, I don't think any of us would have anticipated not only the pandemic, but the changes that were driven as a result of it. I always say to the team, I think, you know, obviously we were on a path to go from a physical to a digital business and we were well on our path. But I think in five months, we advanced probably five years. And the reason for that is, you know, we're fortunate. We have 3 million customers. So we have a lot of great customers and they have great relationships with people in our branches. But what really changed um, over that time, period of time is there's people that had never tried digital before that tried it. And once people try it, they don't go back. I mean, it's so frictionless. It's so easy. We have a bunch of... Uh, uh, of customers that just never really had a need to to really try digital, and, and they did, and uh, boy, it really accelerated. It's pretty phenomenal. So, you know, as we know, the digital transformation process really isn't something that has an end. It continues to go. How is the overall digital transformation process going at KeyBank? And when you look at other financial institutions, and you had an investor day yesterday, you know, how do you position yourselves as a mid-regional financial institution in that whole maturity process of digital banking transformation? Sure. So let me start, let me start at the top. Our our strategy is what we call targeted scale, Jim. We're not trying to be everything to everyone, but to those client sets that we are focused on, we're trying to be really important to. And that means whether it's a consumer uh, customer or a commercial customer, we need to be digitally out in front. And so let me let me talk a little bit about, we've been on a digital journey for some time, but let me talk about kind of the different things we're doing. First, I'll start with consumer because consumer is what everyone thinks about. Um, 
you know, not only have we been complete, we've years ago when we did an acquisition of First Niagara, we redid the front end of, of all of our, of our digital offerings. But we're to a point now where we have end-to-end digital processing for 90% of our products. So, you know, a lot of people talk about being digital, but they're really not. Um, if you can open a checking account, which in our case you can in three seconds, that means you have straight through processing and you are truly digital end to end. So that's on the that's on the consumer side. The other thing we did that has been great for us is we've bought a lot of fintech companies. Um, specifically, we bought a company called Laurel Road in the second quarter of 2019. And Laurel Road, when we bought them, they had uh, 32 full stack engineers in San Diego today. Uh, that number's in, in, you know, above 50, 5 And not only have they done a great job at Laurel Road, and I'm going to come back to Laurel Road because it's really unique from a digital perspective in a moment, but not only have they advanced the Laurel Road strategic map, they've advanced all of key. Uh, so I, we are a so I'm still on consumer, but we are a digitally progressive company uh, as it comes to the consumer. Specifically on Laurel Road, what you might find interesting is, so we bought Laurel Road. They're a student loan refinance business focused on doctors and, and dentists currently. We're going to expand that to nurses in a moment. But what we were able to do is buy that business in the second quarter of 2019. And then in the first quarter of last year, 2021, turn it into a complete digital affinity bank. And what I mean by that is fintechs, and we've partnered up with fintechs for more than the last decade. We have tremendous respect for what they do, but typically they're really good at doing one thing. What we're doing is we're building digital relationships with, an, in the current case, doctors and dentists globally. Um, 80% of 80% of our doctors and dentists are outside of our 15 state footprint, for example. And a doctor or dentist doesn't want to be going into a branch because while if they're in a branch, by definition, they're not practicing their trade, right? They, it's a hands-on job. So, um, so that's that's on the that's on the consumer side. On the commercial side, uh, I always say you can't be a great digital bank unless you have great analytics. And we went out last year and bought a business called AQN. And AQN was a group of uh, leading consumer analytics folks. They had actually done all the algorithms at Cap One, and then they had built this consulting business. We bought them and put them in charge, basically, of our analytics, which is critical. You know, you think about the amount of information that banks have running through our veins every day. It's just, it's, it's phenomenal. But the challenge for banks is to find the signal and the noise, and AQN helps us. So that's some of the things we're doing, kind of what I would say on the front end of consumer. Then there's there's sort of the middle and back office. One of our four strategic pillars is to digitize the enterprise. So it's great to have great front end, but you have to have a smooth middle and back office. Otherwise, it's just it's just a it's a bunch of clunky procedures with a. Uh, with a fancy front end, um, that's not digital. So um, we've made huge progress there, which brings me to commercial. Commercial is where we're focused a lot right now. Um, we bought another fintech company just last year called Zup, spelled Z. I'm sorry, X U P, but pronounced Zup. And uh, what Zup enables us to do, and you'll know this from your banking days, typically when you buy a bunch of products, think about 
products and what you would have referred to as treasury management. We, we refer to now as enterprise commercial payments. But as you buy these products, it's kind of like going to McDonald's and standing in one line for a, for a milkshake and then going to the next line and getting a, a, a fries and going to the next line and getting a big, a big Mac. What this does is we can onboard new clients concurrently with a bunch of different products. And so, um, so that kind of gives you a sort of lay of the land of kind of what we're doing digital. I see Key as a digitally progressive bank, not just a regional bank, but just a digital progressive bank. And one of the reasons we're so able to do that is because we're focused on just certain industry sectors. You know, a, a $180 billion bank's a big bank, but you don't want to try to be everything to everyone. You got to be really focused. And when you get focused, then you can be really relevant, whether it's the doctors and dentists, et cetera. You know, one thing you said at the beginning of that answer was, did you say that you actually are able to open up a digital checking account in three seconds? We can. We can. So what have you done in the back office to rethink all the steps we used to do in the new account opening process? I mean, what you're talking about is an opening process that is that is similar to what Apple does with their Apple card. And, and you know, we're, we're seeing that in many institutions, while they say, they, as you referenced it, while they say they're opening an account digitally, the, the process takes 15 minutes. It, it is just digitizing what was bad in the past, uh, putting it into digital format. What have you done differently in the back office to enable that? Well, we, we started from scratch. And we, um, instead of trying to cobble it all together, um, we built it on a very flexible platform that enables us to iterate very, very quickly. So um, we basically built uh, a new chassis uh, from the beginning as opposed to take kind of a, a variety of different things and cobble them together, Jim. So you also mentioned the, the targeted scale. Has yes. that been? How long has that been in place at KeyBank to really say, you know, we can't do everything and, and it's better to be the best at the things you do, especially when I think you, you, you go to, you're in five, you know, you're in, I'm sorry, you're in 15, I think, markets uh, nationwide, yeah. but you're also digitally in every marketplace. So how do you ma manage the balance of that? It's, uh, it, it, it is the secret, right, to figure out in any business who you want to be relevant to, where you win, how you win, why you win. And it goes all the way back to when we launched our integrated corporate and investment bank, which I was very proud to have been a part of now almost 20 years ago. And what we said is, if we're going to make the pivot and we're going to be focused on certain industry sectors, uh, by definition, what we don't do is more important than what we do do because we file like 700 companies from a research perspective, um, and we're in the in the in these seven industry verticals. Let me give you a, let me give you a couple examples that I shared with people yesterday that'll kind of bring this to life for you. So, two big kind of mega trends out there um, that that we're that we're very well positioned for that we've been focused on. The first is healthcare. Healthcare is obviously 18% of the GDP going to 20% of the GDP. And um, we, are, we are a leading healthcare bank. So in healthcare, for example, we years ago bought a boutique called Kane Brothers. Kane Brothers is the leading boutique for advising large healthcare organizations. So you're in Cleveland. If you think about the large hospitals there, there's only a couple. And um, you can assume that Kane Brothers, for example, talks strategically to all the big ones because 
everyone's trying to figure out strategically how to position themselves. Then, of course, we're in a position to provide capital. So that if that's the discussion you have with the CEO, the discussion you can have with the CFO is, here's how we raise capital. Uh, here's how we can help you with your payments. Here's how you can predictively know what you're going to be in reimbursed by which insurance carrier and when. And then, obviously, the big challenges for these for these healthcare entities is there is a shortage of doctors and a shortage of nurses. So calling on the chief human resources officer, we can very financially advantageously refinance the doctor's student loans, help the doctors buy houses, help the doctors manage the money. Same for the nurses, by the way. They just the scale is a little different in terms of the um, in terms of the amount of debt that they have, but their needs are exactly the same. And then, as you know, from visiting people in the hospital, there are many, many employees that it takes to run a hospital. And for all of those employees, uh, we say, okay, if as long as we have the depository account, in other words, the paycheck goes in the primary operating account, then Jim, what we do is we provide all those uh, all those individuals free financial planning. We call it financial wellness. But um, you know, people worry more about their financial health, frankly than they do about their physical health. Um, so that just gives you an idea. I use that just as an example, healthcare. Another area where we talk about target scale is technology. We've been ahead of technology for a long time. We built a technology business. Then we bought and integrated a boutique that uh, happened to be headquartered in Portland, Oregon, that was the leader in SaaS, software as a service, which was the beginning of another mega trend. Um, and not only is technology important, but think about every middle market company that we deal with, you know, they're part, whatever business they're in, they're, and they're part a technology company, just the conversation you and I are having about banking this morning. And then there's two, so those would be kind of two areas, the huge parts of the economy that we're focused on. And then we're also focused on some great niche plays. And let me describe a couple of them. We've been in the, we're, we're the number two financier of renewable energy in the country. We've been at it since 2007. We financed over $550 billion worth of renewable projects since 2007. We were in the financing of renewable energy before people had heard of ESG. And um, as a consequence, we're the number two provider in all of North America. And then lastly, another niche that we're in, but it's a very important niche, is this notion of affordable housing. So affordable housing is there's a real shortage. There's in all the communities that in which we operate, there's only one third the number of front doors to match the need. So there's a seven million dollar need out there, seven million unit, I beg your pardon, need out there. And you know, there's only 120,000 units that come online every year. So we're the number three player in affordable housing. I just share those with you to kind of bring this notion of targeted scale to life. But it, it, it enables us not only to really, I always say focus propels growth. It enables not only us to grow our business, but it frankly also enables us to use our tech dollars. And, and when we digitize the organization to do it in a focused way, instead of trying to just digitize, if you're trying to serve everyone, if everything's important, basically nothing's important. And uh, we, we feel strongly. So since you've, you're, you, you have some legacy digital banking capabilities and, and you're trying to hit the nationwide network, I would imagine this targeted scale really helps from the standpoint 
of not only your, your 15 banking regions that you have a physical footprint, but really helps you expand you know, nationwide on a digital basis because almost every one of these players are digital organizations to begin with, or digital target areas anyway, aren't they? For sure. So if you think about our integrated corporate and investment bank, we have offices in certain places. I happen to be speaking to you this morning from our New York office, for example. But um, we have offices everywhere, but we go wherever our clients are. We're not, we're not constrained by geography. I mean, if we are experts in SaaS, if we're experts in affordable housing, we need to go wherever that is. Additionally, I think, as I mentioned, Laurel Road, again, focused on doctors and dentists, and in the next 60 days to be focused on nurses as well. Those will all be national businesses because we're focused. That's a national digital affinity bank. So you're right. Digital, the nice thing about digital is it is actually, um, it removes the, the, it removes the constraints of geography. And, you know, it's interesting because your organization, a lot of banks did not really grow that much as far as new customer base and, and grow within their customer base on organic growth. You did so. Your, your, your 2021 results speak to that. Is this really helping you grow at a time when when many organizations are not growing? I mean, uh, we, I just read an article in Forbes um, that was done by Ron Shevlin, one of my friends, who said that the major banks really aren't getting anywhere near the share of new accounts that they had in the past. And in fact, a lot of the digital consumers are opening more accounts with the fintech firms and the PayPal's and the squares in the world than ever before. Is this helping position KeyBank in a marketplace that really is getting much more aggressive from a competitive standpoint? Exactly. I mean, so if if you think about um, from a demographic, and I think this is really a telling uh, a telling statistic because so right now a full twenty five percent of our new customers are under thirty. And I think that really speaks to the combination of digital and physical because people that are under 30 are digital natives and um, they know what they want and they know what good technology is. The other thing, of course, that that helps us grow is this notion of being targeted and going after, for example, um, Laurel Road has 48,000 doctor and dentist households. Um, put it in, put it in perspective. KeyBank has been around for 200 years, and um, we're in areas where, frankly, there's a lot of medicine. And um, uh, I think we've now eclipsed the number of doctor and dentist households that we've garnered with Laurel Road since we bought them. To to how many doctor and dentist households we've acquired uh, in our 200 year history. Wow. So there's no question that digital helps you grow. The other, the other thing that helps us grow, by the way, is we're in some really fast-growing markets. So separate and apart from digital, the, um, if you think about the markets that Key is in, namely places like Denver and Salt Lake and Boise and Seattle and Portland, we are the beneficiaries of a lot of in-migration. So separate and apart from digital, which is keenly important, uh, it's also in banking, it's nice to have net in migration. With this targeted uh, focus, you know, a lot of organizations talk about building better experiences. And our research with the Digital Bank Report found that only 25% of organizations globally considered them adept at the most basic applications of insights for driving a better customer uh, experience. 
you know, a lot of the experience now is built around engagement. We're, we're, we're focusing on the fact that, you know, getting a good check mark that the people are satisfied is not as important as making sure you're engaged. What has KeyBank done to improve both the personalization, but more importantly, the engagement value of what your digital banking uh, growth has been? It's this notion of having a true relationship, a natural, a, a national digital affinity bank. And let me kind of compare and contrast it. If you went to bankrate.com, you would see what how most digital banks compete. You'll, you'd see stacked up from top to bottom what banks are paying for deposits. And there's nothing wrong with using a digital bank to gather deposits. But um, what we've built is something completely different. Conversely, if you look at the fintech world, fintechs are do a fantastic job, and this is why we partner with them, usually of solving one pain point. So if you think about the really good fintechs, they are exceptional at one thing. Now, I think over time, um, some of the best fintechs will, in fact, be able to morph into having complete relationships. But you asked about engagement. The way you get engagement is if you're focused on doctors and dentists, to be pushing out real information that matters to them and having a connectivity with them. And I'll give you, you know, I, I'll give you an example. So if you're financing your student loan with Laurel Road, you and you're, you know, the, the doctor path is very clear cut. Basically, you go to medical school, you do your residency, you do a fellowship, and then you become an attending physician somewhere. And that is really when you start to be paid as the doctor that you are. And you, you can imagine we have perfect information. If you're an orthopedist in Tampa, uh, we know what the market is. Uh, and, uh, you know, in an anonymous way, we can certainly, you know, people can access information like that. So engagement is about having information that people really care about or having some affiliation with something that they're proud of. Um, and uh, and we that's, that's a big, basic tenant. We interview a thousand doctors regularly to make sure that the content that we're pushing out in Laurel Road is something they find both relevant and important. So it's interesting because this all takes data, analytics, and technology. For, for sure. And for many organizations, it's become, it's become somewhat prohibitive from a cost center perspective but also, when you look at the partnerships that are available, it also is less expensive than it used to be. So you're, you're in a real interesting spot. It's a, it's a mid-regional where you, you can't be putting money down the way the big guys do. But on the other hand, as you've mentioned, you can build partnerships that allow you to do that. So how has KeyBank kept pace with the marketplace and the development of new products, um, leaner and more nimble operations, and even better experiences? So it go, it really it, it starts with targeted scale of, of Jim of not trying to we're not spreading it over everything we're trying to figure out where we can be relevant. Um, we spend about eight hundred million dollars a year in tech and ops, and two hundred million or so of that is kind of front end type stuff. We've done a lot of the heavy lifting around kind of core systems, so we have a lot of money that we can spend. And then uh, in addition to that, obviously, we buy these other companies that wouldn't be included in those numbers where we get technology, we get people, we get capabilities. Um, so I don't really find, uh, it, it isn't that we are wanting to spend more dollars. Uh, I always, it all starts with the client. Where do we want to spend money that we can be more relevant, which goes right to your questions. The other thing that sometimes is lost is with 
many, many apps, software as a service, going to the cloud and many apps, you know, if you sort of pay by the usage, being big isn't that much of an advantage because you're for each interaction, you're paying the same amount anyway. So it's not like it's not like it's a huge savings to be 20 times as big um, if you're using the same the same app, for example. You know, not everything always goes well in the digital transformation journey. So what challenge have you faced in the journey with with being a legacy financial institution and having some slow markets, but also in your whole process of digital transformation? You know, how important is leadership and culture in addressing challenges and what challenges have you faced? Let, let me just step back. The, the biggest challenge we and, and the whole financial services face is we got competition from every direction. You have large banks who, as you mentioned, uh, have significant budget. You have fintechs, as I said, are good at certain things, but let's face it, those certain they focus on the certain things that matter to certain groups of people. And then you have smaller banks that are consolidating and getting bigger. So biggest challenge we face all the time is how do we make sure that we're out in front of our targeted customers and that we're really relevant and differentiated? That is the number one strategic issue. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about who do we want to focus on? And once we know who we want to focus on, what can we do to be really relevant to that, to that group? The next challenge uh, that that I've been frustrated with, and it's true of key and, and banking in general, and I mentioned it earlier, is you can't be a great digital bank without great analytics. And banks have tremendous amounts of data running through them. We have $5 trillion worth of transactions that, want, that run through key on an annual basis. And what we need to be able to do, Jim, is find that which is actionable so we can be out ahead helping our clients. I mentioned the acquisition of AQN. We've spent a lot of money organizing our data because it's very important to me that, excuse me, we can proactively be out talking to you about kind of how we can help you. Um, so those are those are a couple areas. The other the other is is just in every business. I think that the number one thing that we all have to fight is complacency. And, um, you know, we obviously had a record year in 2021. Um, very, very proud of the year we had. But what worked in 2021 won't work in 2022. And what works in 2022 won't work in 2023. We always have to be looking ahead 18 or 24 months. And you can never, uh, never get complacent uh, for all the reasons I shared. Well, you know, it's building that challenger mindset that says, you know, we, we can't ever rest on our laurels because they're gone um, the next the next month, not even the next year anymore. You know, we found that a lot of organizations globally, again, rank themselves surprisingly low on innovation maturity. Now, you've mentioned a lot of the acquisitions you've done, some of the partnerships you've done, some of the new ideas you brought to the marketplace. But how do you address the need to innovate faster than ever? Do you look more at a buy, a build, or a, a partnership scenario? Or is it just looking at every individual aspect of what you're trying to achieve and figuring out what's the best way to get there? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll answer the first part of your question, then I'll step back and answer the second, which is actually the bigger issue is how do you get the mindset around it? But we we do all three. We buy. Um, and when we buy, you have to be very careful of how and what you integrate, right? You buy a small entrepreneurial company and you pay a premium for it. You have to make sure that you understand what you're protecting and what you paid, 
just paid a premium for and make sure you can preserve that culture. So that's the buy. Build. We clearly have built a lot of things and we're not opposed to building if we think we can do it faster, simpler, better, and have it be unique. I think the important thing is if you're going to, and I'll come back to uniqueness in a, in a, in a minute as it relates to innovation. Uh, and so that's, that's buy and, 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 that's, and that's build. You know, that's kind of the two, those are the kind of the two ways, you know, we really think about it. The third you mentioned is partner. I look at partner as sort of a hybrid of the two, right? And we've done that a lot. And we've had all kinds of different partnerships. We've owned a bunch of pieces and parts of fintechs where we frankly have had some incredible liquidity events. But for us, it all starts with the client. How can we be most relevant to the clients that we're serving? Which gets me to the real motivation for innovation is there's 5,000 banks in the United States. We need to make sure that we're differentiated. And if you want to be differentiated, you can't offer the same things to the same people provided by the same vendors as everybody else. That's not a path to differentiation. And I'm a strong believer. If you think about any business that you do business with, Jim, there's any business you really value is differentiated in some way. Um, you know, that's, that's the key to business, I think. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So Chris, you know, we, we can't look at regional banking right now because it's all around us without talking a little bit about M&A and the, the desire for some institutions to get bigger, which I believe on some cases is simply getting bigger for bigger sake. We've had a recent announcement of TD Bank acquiring First Horizon that kind of juggles the, the ranking of the top 10 financial institutions. What is your perspective from KeyBank's perspective on the need to or not the need to Get bigger through an M&A uh, perspective. Yeah, so I, I feel strongly, going back to our notion of targeted scale, Jim, we have made, for example, a lot of small acquisitions and partnerships, et cetera, that help us serve our targeted client base. We've done that. We've bought entrepreneurial companies. We've successfully integrated them. We will continue to do that. Again, everything we do starts with our client. In terms of going out and buying a depository, which is kind of the type of transaction you just described. Um, I don't think scale just for scale's sake uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, it would have to have a very high bar um, and they'd have to it, strategically, which is what I just mentioned. And it would also have to make a lot of sense from a financial perspective. Having said that, you know, we bought First Niagara in 2016, took out 42% of the costs kept the people, kept the clients, um, you know, that was a successful business model. But our strategy right now is to focus on really serving our targeted clients. And, um, you know, I, I don't think scale for scale's sake makes that much sense. You know, the largest bank in the United States has 3.7 trillion in assets. Uh, we're obviously a very large bank at 180 billion. So I would ask sort of the rhetorical question, what is scale? 
and you know it's interesting. I, 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 my, my background goes back to the savings loan crisis, where the government thought that combining multiple bad savings loans made a better bank. Um, it doesn't necessarily happen that way. You, you have challenges. It slows your organization down just by the scenario of saying how do you integrate all this stuff, and you already have a digital footprint print nationwide that allows you a lot of flexibility to not having to go that route. I mean, it's not a, it's not a necessity for sure. Yeah, we feel like we've got we've got plenty of empty space to successfully go out and grow our business organically. And yesterday's investor day, we spent a lot of time, Jim, talking about you know where we think those organic growth levers are. You know, it, it's interesting too. One of the major advantages you've had in the marketplace is you've had great leadership. Um, Beth Mooney before you, yourself, and the ability to build that mentality of embracing change. You're a legacy banker, but it's very clear from our conversation that you you do embrace change. You're willing to take risk and, and go beyond your comfort zone in areas in the digital world that certainly are un- unfamiliar to all of us and are changing daily. How do you instill that same mentality throughout your entire organization? And how hard is it today to find the right talent to move your organization forward while also reskilling your existing teams? Well, I think one of the things that that we that that we reward and talk about a lot throughout our entire company is the notion of being intellectually curious. You know, here's, here's four facts, here's what's going on in the marketplace. Why is that happening? You know, who's doing what to whom out there? Um, where do we think this is going? Why do we think it's going there? So this this notion of really instilling intellectual curiosity and then the notion of we need to iterate quickly. The world's moving really quickly. and We need to try things and some things will work and some things won't. Um, obviously, when we put together our integrated corporate and investment bank 20 years ago, the battlefield was littered with a bunch of people that had tried it and failed. Uh, people said it would never work. Uh it's now kind of, it was sort of the, the the first kernel that built this notion around targeted scale of really identifying your clients. So we're looking for people that have great subject matter expertise, but we're also looking for people that are just business people that just enjoy being in the game and trying to figure it out. Um, and so uh, I think that's what makes it exciting. I think if it was, if we were just running the same plays year after year, um, I think we'd have trouble keeping the kind of team that we've built that is digitally progressive and is sort of looking out front. You know, it's interesting, too, because you you mentioned earlier in our conversation, the ability to look at data, not as simply a report generation tool, but deploying that data across the organization for decision making, building new products, innovation, and even answering business model questions is important as well. Because when you empower your employees with data, and insights and analytics, you really are making them more digital by the nature of that. It's it's so important. I, I, I always say you, yeah. you have to find the signal in the noise. Anyone can generate a bunch of reports, but what do they mean? And how is that actionable? And how can that be commercialized? And how does it matter to our client and why? What is the biggest challenge that KeyBank and maybe other legacy financial institutions face? And I'll say in the next three to five years, even though I think that's extending too far given our the scenario we're up against today, but what, what's the biggest challenge that you see is on the horizon? Well, the biggest challenge I think any business faces is how do you stay relevant? Once you once you identify who you want to really be relevant to, how do you make sure you keep that lead? You know, we've talked a lot about this morning about Laurel Road. We are in a great position. I could give you a bunch of statistics in terms of, you know, 
asking doctors, you know, where we fit in and kind of we are we're where we want to be. But um, you got to stay relevant because we live in a really, really competitive world. So I think the biggest challenge for any business is first to identify where you can be relevant. As I said earlier, how you win, where you win, why you win. And then once you identify that, you better work really hard to defend your position because uh, it's not going to go unnoticed out there. Boy, that that is so true. The the keeping the fire burning. I mean, I I had a conversation with PayPal a while back, and and they were thrown off by Klarna, and you you get the feeling that they were kind of caught off guard. But it's interesting when you start talking to a fintech about other fintechs upending their business model. It's it's, it's really dynamic what's happening and how fast it's happening. And, and finally, what do you consider the most important opportunity for key bank as you go forward? I think our most op- important opportunity is to really drive our business and grow our business. I'm I'm a big believer that we we need to continue to invest heavily. We need to invest in our people. We need to invest in digital. We need to invest in analytics. Those will drive growth, and growth will create opportunities for our shareholders and also for our teammates. Um, so that's that's my biggest. Uh, uh, biggest focus right now is to make sure that we maintain our discipline around risk and capital because that underpins everything. And then, Jim, that we continue to make the investments we need to make to continue to grow. Chris, thank you so much. This, this conversation can go on forever. I, it's exciting for me as a banker. And, and the biggest learning experience I've had is this podcast process we've gone through because it lets me get to know other different organizations and see what they're doing. You are obviously not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk, and it shows. And it, it has been a distinctive component of what key banks become over the last decade. And I've seen it up close and personal in Cleveland. And congratulations on the success you've had and, and good luck on the successes in the future. Well, thanks so much, Jim. Good luck to you as well. And I enjoyed our discussion this morning. Have a great day. Thank you, you too. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. Rated as a top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we have received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in form of a five-star review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing on the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Will Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Remember, at the core of every great banking organization is leadership that is willing to embrace the future and target their investments. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.